the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. NYCR Golden Valley. From Wall Street to your street. Tune in on the go with our free app. With SRN News, I'm Bob Agnew in Washington. A federal appeals court has issued a state temporarily blocking President Biden's plans to forgive student loan debt. The Eighth Circuit Court of Appeals issued the stay last night. Attorneys for six Republican-led states asking a federal appeals court there to reconsider their efforts to block the administration's program to forgive hundreds of millions of dollars in student loan debt. The president says the annual budget deficit was cut in half this year. Over the fiscal year that ended last month, the federal budget deficit was down sharply. The deficit fell by $1.4 trillion the largest one-year job in American history. It was down primarily because pandemic relief spending came to an end and higher unemployment resulted in more tax revenue. Even though the annual number was down, September's budget deficit skyrocketed because of the president's student debt forgiveness plan. That's Greg Cluxon reporting, and this is SRN News. It is only the rest of your life. Are you prepared for it? Tune in to this week's Money Matters with Al and Mike. They'll be discussing retirement income and the risks that need to be overcome during your golden years. Al and Mike will share with you how to create a sustainable income strategy. So make sure you listen to Money Matters with Al and Mike, 2 p.m. Sunday on The Biz 1440, or call them now at 855-231-6010. Over 50,000 police officers are assaulted on the job each year, leading to injuries and death. This is the reality they deal with when making contact with the public. Another reality is that if someone doesn't comply with a lawful order or uses force against them, police may have to use sufficient force in response to obtain compliance. Use of force is always ugly. Nobody likes it, especially police, and nobody knows how it will turn out. Spread the word. For de-escalation to work, both parties must de-escalate. And de-escalation isn't necessary if there is no escalation. Help police by not escalating. Don't attack or try to disarm an officer. Whether it's getting asked a question, getting a citation, or getting arrested, don't argue, don't resist, don't flee. After the encounter has been resolved is the time to address any complaints. Comply now, complain later. Keep everybody safe. This message brought to you by the National Police Association. To learn more about how to help law enforcement accomplish its goals, visit nationalpolice.org. Some of your favorite pastors and authors are bringing you their most popular devotionals free. Discover the joy and peace you can experience every day when you spend focused time in God's Word. Sign up for daily devotionals from crosswalk.com and get inspiration and encouragement sent right to your inbox with devotionals for parenting, singles, women, and more. Crosswalk.com provides spiritual growth for every stage of life. Crosswalk.com is a division of Salem Media Group. Portions of this program may have been pre-recorded. The views expressed on the following program do not necessarily represent those of this station or its management. No! Come on, rise and shine. It's a beautiful day, isn't it? It's going to be a great year. Turn all the lights on and kill the noise. 
The Biz 1440 presents the best two hours of economic news and commentary. Is it safe? It's the King Banyan Show. This is a man. Your source for penetrating economic insight, razor-sharp analysis, and unflinching universal thought. My mind is a globe whirling transient nodes of thought. Everything you need to maintain clarity and stay ahead of the economic curve. Now, here's Professor King Banyan. Welcome back. King Banyan Show, The Biz 1440. I've been uh, reading a a couple articles on uh, the South China Morning Post, um, which used to be a much more independent newspaper, but now is pretty well controlled by the the CCP. But uh, still... um, it's ra- it, it is um, rather stunning to see um, the previous pre- uh, previous uh, uh, leader of uh, China, uh, Hu Jintao, uh, removed from his seat um, and having an empty chair next to um, next to uh, uh, Xi Jinping. Uh, tomorrow, the uh, seven members, the seven members of the Central Politburo, will be announced. Um, a lot of speculation there, uh, but the P- I tweeted out one of the pieces to you because it concerns the economic and finance shakeup that's going on there. I think there's a there's a desire to really crack down on the uh, on on the uh, weakness in the financial sector there. Um, they still have not announced the third quarter GDP numbers. Uh, they were supposed to be released on Monday and Tuesday, or Monday night, Tuesday morning, and uh, they just all of a sudden, with a few hours before the release, gave a very short announcement saying, we'll have those data for you later, um, which, you know, it's not an excuse I would take from my, I, I, not an excuse I would take from my, uh, from my students, but uh, apparently you can do that. Um, then, uh, th- so anyway, I... I'm trying to watch that. I'm probably going to have to stop now, but uh, certainly something to watch over the over the weekend. Uh, by the time you get up uh, tomorrow morning, the seven leaders will be there, and the things to watch for is uh, are, are who's in who's really controlling the uh, the port the uh, portfolio of uh, economics and financial, the banking sector, and so forth. It looks like you're going to get changes at the central bank too. Uh, but still too soon to say. I'm just still trying to absorb all all the changes, but they're much bigger than what we thought they would be. Um, anyway, 651-289-4477, the number to call with questions and comments. Our last hour, we spent our time saying, wondering, well, if you don't, if you don't have a rule, if you don't have a stated policy rule that people can rely on, and you're stuck with only forward guidance and discretion or data dependency, you end up boxing yourself in the corner that they found themselves looking as they were at what was running on in the Fed Fund's futures market. This is my interpretation of what happened. They simply looked at that. And if you believe that forward guidance really works, and you see that the market has gone to an interest rate expectation six months from now that is way above what you wanted, you're going to try to do something to pull that back. And that might be the source of why they ended up reaching out to uh, to financial reporters and giving um, off-the-record, unsourced um, information 
about what might happen at the FOMC in 10 days. Uh, I have one one more clip. We were playing this. This was on Wall Street Week last night on Bloomberg Television. Uh, Sonal Desai from uh, Franklin Templeton Group uh, with one more observation ab- about what's going on with at that level. This is cut number eight. So, you know, what we're seeing is something we haven't seen in a very long period of time. We have the EU, Japan and the U.S., all with dramatically different uh, monetary policies. You know, so I think about this and when times were good to uh, misquote Tolstoy, all good markets, (laughs) functioning markets look the same. And all of these markets, as they're breaking, they're breaking in different ways. And I think that is that could just... It could, it's never been more apparent than what you see in Japan. I'm going to tweet you that whole interview, that whole 11 minutes from Wall Street Week on YouTube. I'll send the YouTube out at the next break. It is one of the more, more information-rich pieces. And in part, credit to the host. The two wanted to talk to her, uh, uh, Sanal and, and, and Yirin, wanted to talk to each other and at one point it's almost like there were here's the host and the host is just getting out of the way and letting the other two talk and it was it felt very much like one of those uh one of those newsroom scenes you see if you watch the tv series borgen uh from denmark which i which i adore um it felt like sort of a scandinavian news program where all of a sudden the host is pulled back and the two the two guests are simply talking back and forth to each other, not in a shouty way like we often do here in the U.S., but in sort of this very, this very engaged, it was, it, it was like you were sitting at a coffee table listening to two, to two people sharing views about what's happening. It was, it's really, really good television. Um, and I thought that was fine, but it, it is also in the same way disturbing. Um, and I think it's and, and I'm watching my my Twitter feed and watching Frank and Jack and Don all chatting about what's happening in, in at in the financial markets right now. And I have to say, I in my in my youthful days as an economist, the fir- I've said this before on the show. The first article I ever had published was about the independence of the central bank which at that time I thought was a good thing. I truly thought it was a good thing because that inflation, because their performance on inflation, and I wrote that in 1982. That's how old I am. So this is a 40-year-old article I'm citing. It's actually, I wrote it in 1982. It was published in a publication of the Dallas Federal Reserve in in January of 1983. And, and, and it was my first publication. I was still in graduate school. I was, you know, I was, I, I, I was proud as, you know, I was proud as a peacock about publishing this. And I still am proud that, you know, I got, I mean, I was, I got my first acceptance letter at 25. It was pretty cool. Uh, and so I, we put that out there. And we thought that the central banks of those times, at that point, the Bundesbank, the Swiss National Bank, and the Federal Reserve were three central banks that had that had insulation from political pressure, and that that made them better at fighting inflation than banks like the Bank of England or or the Bank of France or or, or Bank of Japan. 
and so forth. And over the succeeding years, central banks started to say, yeah, you know what, we need this independence because we get too much pressure from government. And so banks started to rewrite their charters to say, you know, governments would, would go with banks and say, okay, we're going to give you a little more independence. Now understand, when inflation gets out of hand, we get to blame you, and the central bankers are like, yeah, that's cool, that's okay. We can make this work. And slowly but surely, inflation came down. And we went through this period that, that Desai and Tyrion are talking about of 25 years. Okay, they said 17. I would say it stands back into the 90s. Where, beginning with Greenspan, then Bernanke, and then, and then Yellen, and now, and now Powell, the central bankers basically had a world where inflation was kind of coming down on its own without them ever having to really push unemployment high to fight it. And so instead, they got into the habit of having the, you know, in the, in the, in the case of the United States, with a dual mandate, they got in the habit that whenever the unemployment rate went up, they could simply turn on the spigot, do whatever they wanted to push down interest rates, push down all kinds of things, and make this work. And I, I feel a little self-conscious because I, in fact, argued 40 years ago, 30 years ago, even as late as 2008 or 2009, I'm at a conference in Italy, um, at, at, you know, uh, in Milan with people say, with, with people who are saying, you know what, central bank, what central banks need is more independence. But the point is, if we give you independence, you've got to do something good with it. And I think that, in fact, we have failed to take measure of the fact that people given that kind of independence can still read the polls, can still respond to pressure, are still human beings who have, who have desires and passions and appetites, and they want certain people to win elections and other people not to. And I don't think that's conspiracy theory. I think any any human being, what we have to build institutions that aren't we don't we can't just build institutions that work well when the people within them are of goodwill, and and are selfless. What we need in society are institutions that will work well even when the people who are inside them are bad, have selfish motives, are not very sharp. Because if you don't, you get criticisms like this. This was Judy Shelton. Um, and I'm trying to remember what, what station I had her on the other day. Um, this, is, this is Judy Shelton. and she Oh, yeah, she was on, uh, with, with, on uh, CNBC. And, and um, she got off 50 seconds of sort of like, I think, summarizing the way many of us feel about how monetary policy is going right now in discussing what happened with the Bank of England. Uh, I'm not going to play all the Bank of England stuff she said, but it's, it's, a tremendous, it's tremendous in itself. Uh, but this part just rang so true. Uh, cut number 10, please. I think we have to make a, a distinction between 
overspending or borrowing from the future in order to finance current consumption. That's really um, big government socialist redistribution. I think that's different than offering tax cuts to promote private incentive to create more, to have higher supply of goods and services, because you're cutting taxes and regulations, and that helps entrepreneurs actually produce. My issue is that central banks should have a very narrow function. They should provide stable money and then let the private sector use that as a platform for productive economic activity. And that's not what happened with the Bank of England. The Bank of England actually went in exactly the opposite direction and said, hey, what you're doing is terrible and we're going to have to we're going to work we're trying to fight inflation. You're not helping with that. And so, and so we're going to bail these guys out for three. Um, we're going to bail, bail out these folks for a week and then that's it. You're done. And, and frankly, uh, what happened with, uh, with, uh, uh governor Bailey, uh, versus Liz Truss, it's not where central banks are supposed to be. People in my Twitter feed thinking that uh, Jay Powell is doing this, the Fed is doing this explicitly to help uh, the, the fortunes of a party in the election. When you don't have a rule to cite, when you don't able to say, no, this is how we've always operated, this is what happens now, you invite that kind of comment. You invite that to, you invite people to speculate that the reason you're doing this is for electoral reasons. And no one can say you're wrong because you don't have a rule. You don't have, you don't have a structure in place that people can point to to say, no, 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 this is what the Fed does. This is, this is a major problem. The Fed needs a new operating rule, and it needs it soon, and it needs people who can clearly articulate what it is. Because right now, this seat-of-the-pants nonsense is nonsense. And it's messing up people's people's portfolios. It's basically it's it's causing rises in the price of gas. And and rather than trying to address it, everyone's saying you shouldn't pay attention to what's happening there. That's not you know, pay more attention to to you know. Oh look over there. There's uh, there's somebody from the previous administration who's going to jail for four months. Oh look over there. There's there's you know. Look over there. There's uh, there's the son of the president who who might be facing tax. They they're pointing at other things rather than saying there's something really wrong with how we're doing policy right now. We're not having, we're we're not able to figure out what the heck they're doing because they won't tell us a rule that we can incorporate into our lives. I only focus at the Fed, but goodness knows it happens all around the place. I think there's something deeper in this. And I want to talk about it right after this. You're listening to The King Banyan Show on The Biz 1440. Soaking up the sun in Fiji, walking through the Sculpture Garden in Minneapolis, or standing in awe at the Grand Canyon. We're where you are. Listen to The Biz 1440 at odyssey.com or with the free Odyssey app. 
Okay, Mr. and Mrs. Local Business Owner, do you get calls from multiple digital marketing firms trying to sell you the quick fix to your marketing challenges? Maybe you've bought the latest tactic that some hotshot sold you and you're wondering where your results are. The problem is you know you need to market your business, but trusting a partner, well, that's been a challenge. Our solution for many local business owners is through our digital marketing solutions, Salem Surround. Salem Surround is unique because we're based on the same guiding principles that Salem Media is. We actually care about our clients and we're accountable to our results. The same care that we deliver our radio content to you is the same we do with all our digital marketing services. So reach out to us at SalemSurround.com today and we'll consult with you about your individual needs and create a customized plan to actually do what you need your investment to do. That's SalemSurround.com, a full-service digital marketing solution for your business. I'm sure glad you're my sister, Addie. Yep, you my best buddy. Mom says you were their little surprise. What would we do without you? Well, you'll probably get your own gum. Yeah, that's true, but you're worth it. Hello, my name is Carrie. I work with Pro-Life Across America, the billboard people. If you know someone who is pregnant or in need of alternatives to abortion or needs post-abortion assistance or would like to support the life-saving work of Pro-Life Across America, please call 1-800-366-7773 or check us out online at prolifeacrossamerica.org. Pro-Life Across America, educational, non-political, and tax-deductible. A baby's heart is beating 18 days from conception. Pro-Life Across America, the Billboard people. For the life of your home, visit thinkami.com. Some fall reminders from AMI. Turn off your outdoor spigot to avoid frozen water lines. A furnace tune-up will ensure you stay cozy all winter. Get priority scheduling and save with AMI's Total Solutions membership as low as $9.99 a month. An electrical safety checkup will ensure all smoke and carbon monoxide detectors are working. Air Mechanical leads the metro area in HVAC, plumbing, and electrical. Go to thinkami.com. For the life of your home, visit thinkami.com. Ibelieve.com helps women wrestle with the deeper issues of their faith. Drop by for blogs and daily devotionals for women, plus articles on relationships, health and beauty, parenting, and more at iBelieve.com, a division of Salem Media Group. iBelieve.com. I just want to say, I got to do this one more time. I have been, there are things which Judy Shelton says sometimes. We're listening to King Banyan Show here on the Biz 1440. There are things she says from time to time that you go, really? Hmm. That's kind of an odd thing to say. But when she says things like this, I think to myself, we had this woman nominated to be a governor of the Federal Reserve. And we didn't get her on. How did this happen? Play it one more time. It's, it's music to my ears. Cut number 10. I think we have to make a, a distinction between overspending or borrowing from the future in order to finance current consumption. That's really um, big government socialist redistribution. I think that's different than offering tax cuts to promote 
private incentive to create more, to have higher supply of goods and services, because you're cutting taxes and regulations, and that helps entrepreneurs actually produce. My issue is that central banks should have a very narrow function. They should provide stable money and then let the private sector use that as the platform for productive economic activity. She could have been a governor. God, I may have to, I might have to take up day drinking. God, it's awful. <laughs> Just, ugh. how did we miss this? Anyway, six five one two eight nine four four seven seven. Yeah, I have to say there, and I, again, she's not an unalloyed good. <laughs> there are things I've heard Judy Shelton say. You go, hmm, hmm, really, hmm. But, um. Someone that comes into it with that attitude um, is refreshing. And she'd be only one vote out of 12 on FOMC. It's like, we can't have one of those? Not even one? And it was it was basically um, Republican senators with ties to the banking sector who torpedoed her. Wasn't, you know, wasn't the Democrats. Just saying. Okay. Um, so what do you think's going on, King? They said, so you said something deeper's happening. What do you think is deeper that's happening? And and he replies, there was a cut of, and I've heard this in various ways, I, but I found this one that I thought was really, uh, um, that I thought was really uh, a perfect it, it, encapsulation of it. Um, Chris Hayes, on MSNBC, um, very, very progressive news anchor, um, was upset about the fact that we're, you know, uh, I see Don talk about, squirrel, this is not the bad result you were looking for. Chris Hayes kind of encapsulates this in this very short clip. Uh, Cut number one, please. So we find ourselves in a situation where keeping gas prices low is key to preserving and strengthening the future of our democracy. And so, here we are. Hence, Biden releasing oil from the reserves today. That's stunning. But I said something, I said something that got a pretty strong reaction from a few people on Twitter. And I can't even find what it was. I'm sliding down to see if I can find what it was I... I, I wrote, but uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna keep going. I'm gonna keep going down front uh, to find it. Um, yeah, uh, we had people, um, relatively well-known economists, including people that worked in the in the Obama administration, um, sending a letter to Janet Yellen in support of a price cap on Russian oil exports. Um, and I'm going to read some of the names that are attached to this. It includes Jason Furman, which I think I'm like, I like, I've quoted Jason Furman uh, 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 approvingly in some places, as you might figure out in a moment. I'm not going to approve of this one. Michael Kremer, uh, who's at uh, the University of Chicago. Uh, Ken Rogoff, uh, uh, Project Syndicate columnist. Great economist. I don't understand why his name's on this. Uh, include, but then Simon Johnson and uh, 
and Simon Johnson's on here as well. Simon has been from MIT. Uh, he has uh, he has uh, also participated uh, in um, he's also participated in work for the uh, Obama administration in the past. So um, they send a letter basically saying we think a price cap, a maximum price on Russian oil would be would be really good for us. Um, and, and because it will maintain economic incentives for Russia to produce current volumes. And my quote, my attachment to it said, was the quote from Hayek. The curious task of economics is to demonstrate to men how little they really know about what they imagine they can design. We keep trying to control prices, okay? We keep trying to control prices. Just before that, I had typed, uh, I had typed this into Twitter: "From trust to Biden to Schultz, the Chancellor of Germany, and beyond, think of all the damage that could be laid at the feet of not accepting the price of oil during the war. The repercussions of not letting prices allocate scarce goods will be felt for years." That's me. That's what I say. We. Kn- we at one time had sometimes even a majority of people in our legislature and somebody in the White House who believed fundamentally that prices were a good way to allocate scarce resources, which is the fundamental, a fundamental, it's not the only one, it's a fundamental lesson we teach our students in the principles of economics. Economists are now saying, you should put you should put a cap on on the price of russian oil why because we still want russian oil even though we don't want them to get money from the sale of russian oil because we don't want to support them while they're fighting with our ally ukraine okay well what else could we do instead well we could just say we're not buying russian oil we could boycott it We're not going to boycott it. We're not going to boycott it. Why? Because we don't want to accept the price of gas and oil that would go up. Again, what brought down Liz Truss? At fundamentally, fundamentally, the way you do that, and yes, I see that. Uh, I, I see what you just wrote, Narnfan, and I agree with this. I'm going to read it. The only way you're going to hurt Russia with oil is by opening the spigots everywhere. Yes, we are not willing to do that. So because we don't like what prices tell us about the scarcity of goods, we decide to ignore them. We decide to make them illegal. So I'm going to make a fundamental statement. Prices are free speech. It is no less important to protect the speech that is expressed through prices than the speech that expresses a political view or a social view, a religious view. We tend to think somehow that prices, that commercial speech, broadly spoken, is entitled to fewer protections. We're willing to ignore it. 
And I say to you, you are ignoring it at your peril. The fundamental misunderstanding that is coming. And again, I think this is, I think this is, I hesitate to use the term bipartisan because there are people in both parties who I believe actually get this. But at the two extremes, I hear something I don't like, and so I want it to stop. I'm going to get power to make it stop. And an example of that is price controls, price caps, price ceilings. All of it, all of it is a way in which we are trying to keep the world from telling us what we don't want to hear. That oil is scarce, that we became we, we had incorporated in our forecast of what the price of oil would be in the future, a steady supply of it from a country that we no longer really want to do business with. And so we are trying to just completely move around all of the ways in which we might be able to keep the oil but not give them the money. And let me tell you, I'm pretty sure that's not going to work. More in a moment. I'm going to give you another example of where nobody likes what they're hearing, and so they're engaged in what I think are pretty crazy policies. Right after this, you're listening to The King Banyan Show on The Biz 1440. Have you noticed homes for sale in your neighborhood staying on the market longer? Even with price drops, the homes still sit. That's because the market has taken a turn for the worse, and the Fed's kept raising rates. You've seen this movie before, and unfortunately, the next step could be a decrease in home values. Do you still have equity in your home? If so, and you're thinking of taking cash out of your home's equity, do it now. Get the cash you need now. Call Cash Call Mortgage today and get your cash out refi done fast. You can start your application online at cashcallmortgage.com or call now. Call 800-931-6651. That's 800-931-6651. 800-931-6651. Cash Call Mortgage is a DBA of Impact Mortgage Corp. NMLS ID 128231. Not all applicants will qualify. Equal housing lender licensed by California Department of Financial Protection and Innovation. Residential Mortgage Lending Act license number 4131083. Not licensed in all states including New York. These are tough times for everyone, so dealing with your timeshare may not be your biggest concern. But when this passes, do you still want a lifetime of payments, fees, and commitments for a timeshare you were misled into buying? Hi, I'm Chuck McDowell, CEO and founder of Wesley Financial Group. Ten years ago, I started the timeshare cancellation industry by exposing the ugly truth about timeshares and giving folks the straight facts. I've been fighting the timeshare giants ever since, so no one knows this industry better than me and my team. Today, we We have saved our clients an average of $65,000 in lifetime payments. Imagine putting those timeshare dollars back in your pocket. Give my office a call today. I guarantee if we take you as a client, we will cancel your timeshare or you'll pay nothing. Call Wesley Financial now for your free information kit. 800-549-8866. That's 800-549-8866. 800-549-8866. Wesley Financial Group is not a law firm. 
Okay, we are running a car drive right now to help veterans all across America. So if you have an old car, truck, or van, even a motorcycle or an RV sitting around, you can right now give it away and help the vets. They really need your help. And your car will help support the vets and their families. And guess what? You even get a tax donation. Plus, we'll even come and pick up your car for free. And all you've got to do is pick up your phone right now and make a free call. Now is the perfect time to do something good for the vets. Give back to the vets right now for all they've done for this country. And your old car can really help them. So call the Veterans Car Donation Program right now for free pickup of your vehicle. Help the vets and help your taxes at the same time. Call right now. 800-884-9018. 800 884 800-884-9018. That's 800-884-9018. Welcome back, King Banyan Show, The Biz 1440. Hey, maybe the way to think about this, I was listening to a very good um, Goodfellas podcast uh, earlier this week. That uh, comes out of the Hoover Institution at Stanford, and it includes uh, John Cochran, Neil Ferguson, and, and, and um, oh, God, H.R. McMaster. Uh, and, um, uh, and, and, and they are they were talking about sort of like thinking through the what happens next piece. And I got thinking about it because they got me to think about this move by the, by the U S government to basically cut off China's ability to have people. And it got discussed again on, uh, on uh, the ricochet podcast uh, yesterday um, to basically cut off China's ability to produce advanced chips, advanced semiconductors. Um, by making it not just impossible to send them parts, but saying, you know, if you want to go work in China, U.S. worker, and make money with them, that's fine, but you'll be sacrificing your U.S. citizenship. And all of a sudden, like, whoa, wait, wait, what? Oh, okay, I guess I'll go back. Um, So, and that all sounds great until you start thinking to yourself, what happens next? So what happens next? Which is, you know, as Tom Sowell points out, the fundamental question of economics. The fundamental question. If you want to think like an economist, look at any action and then ask yourself, okay, so what happens next? What will China do in response to the U.S. saying, you can't not only, we're not going to allow anyone to keep U.S. citizenship if they come work with you in your, in your semiconductor business. We're not sending you our, our we're not sending you our materials, we're not sending you our technology, we're not even sending you people. You want to make you want to make a, a high class uh, you know cutting edge uh, uh, semiconductors mm, good luck. you can do that on your own. okay so chip war went to went to 11. Um, since uh, I've been told I've quoted Star Wars Star Trek and up I'm gonna add spinal tap. Now you've got now you've got the uh, now, now you've got the uh, quadfecta there. Um, and because uh, Spinal Tap's always in the back of my head, i got to tell you. We're just a big Lebowski short of the Quintilla. Um, the, you, 
the issue here is that we don't like what prices do, and therefore we do things to try to stop that from happening. And sometimes we do things that are super stupid. Here's an example from last month. We had pulled this cut, and I kept running out of time to run it. And I love this cut because it's such a pristine example of the reaction of the market, of the reaction of policymakers when the market gives them signals they don't like. This was on KTVU Channel 2, which I believe is a, is a I think is a Sacramento station uh, in California. Uh, maybe, it's, maybe it's San Francisco. I'm not positive. Yep, San Francisco. But anyway, is it San Francisco? Thanks, Daniel. Yep. Okay. This was a news piece that they ran about the fact that the California state government decided because people were suffering from inflation, they would get checks. Let's play this. Cut number 11. Where's the money come from? It comes from the people. Anyway, you're going to put it into the government and then come back out? And that seems kind of silly. David Little's farm is facing tough times trying to recover from the pandemic. I need more than 200 bucks. I have a Save the Farm GoFundMe right now. And if I don't get my $6,000 tractor payment in by Monday, they're going to repossess my tractor. So... Here's what they did, right? They're sending out inflation relief checks. Where do we think inflation comes from? Okay, we've already quoted Milton Friedman once. We're going we're gonna to paraphrase him again. Inflation comes from too much money chasing too few goods. Will these middle-class tax refunds, as California is billing them, which can be as large as $1,050, uh, depending on the size of your household, your filing status, your income, so forth. Will they do anything to bring more goods to market? No. Are they more money chasing too few goods? Yes. So what will the inflation relief bill actually do? it will probably actually make inflation a little bit worse. Now, not too much worse because, of course, California is just one state. It's a very large state, but it's one state in a country of 50. And much of the inflation that they're generating, actually, they're going to export to the rest of us. That guy that gets the $200 check, the $600 check, the $1,050 check, He's going to be buying goods, demanding, demanding goods that are in scarce supply, and he's going to get them from us. Yes, I know. Wait a minute. I thought there were inventories at the retail stores. Yes. Why did those happen? Because people ordered goods back in March, were told they're not going to arrive for a while, so they went to a second supplier. I'm going to order from you, too, and we'll just see what happens. And then all the goods arrive, and all of a sudden, inventories are high for products that people no longer really want. Um, so, so <laughs> that's the story out there. Um, three and a half million, three and a half million Californians received payments through direct deposit here in Minnesota. If you were considered a frontline worker, you got a payment of almost $500. What? Okay. They gave the money. Don't begrudge anybody that gets it. That's fine. But understand, it makes the inflation piece worse. That's why what uh, Narnfan wrote to us on Twitter was was so so absolutely spot on. Okay, uh, 
the only way you're going to hurt Russia with oil is by opening the spigots everywhere. The only thing that really would help is with supply. That's why, that's why in some sense, I'm kind of sad. Liz Truss was a bubbling fool and doesn't deserve to be prime minister. But the policy she was bringing into place, except for the stupidity of trying to cap uh, the, the rise in energy prices, which was a political move, she was trying to deny what the price of oil, the price of gas, was going to tell people in terms of you need to conserve, you need to turn your thermostats down, you need, you need not to travel as much, um, and so forth. Rather than telling people you can't have nice things because Russia and Ukraine are at war, nope, you could continue to have nice things. We're going to pay for it somehow, some way. Um, quasi, figure out how to pay for it. Uh, I'm working on that. And now of a sudden both of you are out of a job. Probably never to rise to to uh, the, the uh, premiership ever again. Okay, unlike Boris Johnson, who looks like he might actually be standing for p.m. another time which wow okay uh (laughs) not for me to say uh but my point my point this is a very basic point right all scarce goods get get allocated somehow when you use the law in legislation to prevent prices from rising something else does when you decide instead to subsidize demand in a high inflation, what you get is more inflation. And that's not ideology, that's math. That's just math. Too many pieces of paper chasing too few goods is just math. And you just don't want it to happen. All right. I promised a brief. I promised a brief uh, a summary of what it was that uh, Ben Bernanke and the other two received a Nobel Prize for. I actually think I should get to that. So I'm gonna. I'm gonna stop with this conversation here. Unless you call me, you could get me off the Nobel conversation by calling six five one two eight nine four four seven seven. But if not, uh, we'll talk about the Nobel Prize in economics right after this. You're listening to the King Banyan Show on the Biz fourteen forty. The Biz 1440, KYCR Golden Valley. Dr. Gorka here, and you know me. I am very cynical about products, especially those that claim to help people suffering from pain. So when I tell you that Relief Factor truly works, I want you to know that I mean it. I suffered from a stiff lower back for almost a decade, one so painful it made it difficult to kneel in church on Sundays. When I finally decided to give Relief Factor a try, I didn't ever imagine that I would find myself free of the pain. But that's what happened. Now, I 
take relief factor every day. Almost 70% of the more than half a million people who have tried relief factor end up ordering more. That's because it works for them the way it worked for me. Isn't it time for you to get out of pain? Your first step to becoming pain-free should be to order the three-week quick start for the discounted price of only $19.95. Go to relieffactor.com or call 800-4-RELIEF to find out more about this offer. Feel the difference. Hey, everybody, Charlie Kirk here. The southern border is wide open, and we have to tell the world about it. Our team at Turning Point USA has been working over the last year to have a -a one-of-a-kind documentary all about the drugs, the guns, the crime, the criminals that are flowing across the southern border. Our team at Turning Point USA has been working so hard on this through amazing frontline footage that shows the Border Patrol agents shows people crossing the border, the illegal drug trade, the economic and societal fallout that illegal immigration has on the United States. Every single state is a border state. And we here being headquartered in Phoenix, Arizona, want the rest of the country, want you all across America to see what we are living through in Arizona. It's a -a one-of-a-kind docuseries available exclusively on SalemNow.com. That is SalemNow.com. You guys will see the porous southern border wide open and what we can do to solve it. If you want to learn about the border, this is your opportunity. Brought to you by Turning Point USA, available at SalemNow.com. What does it mean to be a Christian woman in our current culture? How does your faith in Christ relate to the world around you? At times, being a Christian can seem like an overwhelming task in today's busy and challenging landscape. That's why you should visit iBelieve.com, a site designed for Christian women. Whether you're looking for insight, conversation starters for your church group, or just an uplifting message, you'll find it at iBelieve.com. Visit iBelieve.com, a division of Salem Media Group. Listen to The King Banyan Show Saturday mornings at 9 here on The Biz 1440. It's the latest economic news, trade information, your monthly jobs report, and much more. Join us this Saturday morning live on The Biz 1440 sightseeing in Ferris, at the mall in Bloomington, or on horseback in Dallas. We're where you are. Listen to the Biz 1440 at odyssey.com or with the free Odyssey app. Welcome back, King Bang Show, the Biz 1440. Double checking to make sure I didn't get that those phone calls about the last segment or two. So I'm going to go ahead and briefly touch on the Nobel Nobel Prize. Look, what a lot of people are conflating Ben Bernanke, the central banker, with Ben Bernanke, the academic economist. Um, and there's something there's more to be said than I probably can say in the time I have regarding how Bernanke used what he learned during during his academic career in fighting the great financial crisis in 2007, 2008, 2009. Um, suffice to say, he made mistakes. Um, but I do, I, on balance, I don't know that um, I would have preferred Alan Greenspan as the chair of the Fed then. I'm pretty sure I would not have preferred even uh, Paul Volcker and certainly none of the ones succeeding them. Um, who I don't think would have would have known at all. I thought Bernanke was I thought Bernanke was the best one we could have had, but it doesn't mean it was perfect. It doesn't mean mistakes weren't made. It doesn't mean that the system is flawed and needs to be improved. The flaws are in fact pointed out by the work that was done by Bernanke back in back in the eighties 
uh, and by uh, Doug Diamond and Phil Dibvig. Uh, had two papers that were published about six months apart in 1983. So I didn't, I'm already done with my graduate courses by then, but they were papers that pretty quickly you realize, oh, this is an important paper. I should read it. I should slog through it and did. And indeed, Bernanke presented a version of that paper at a seminar I was at in, I want to say, 1985. Um, presented a version of it, and it was and, and, and really interesting. It was, I think, and that would have been the first time I met him, was at that time. Um, the problem is, what they really did in terms of research, what they tried to do is provide, a, provide research on what causes bank runs, Okay. The most famous bank runs are the ones you've probably seen in, in movies. Um, it's a Wonderful Life is the one that everyone will, will conjure up immediately to mind and think about the run at the Bailey Savings and Loan, right? And George Bailey has to explain during, during this pretty cool speech, which I showed to my money in banking classes. I played this clip for them of Bailey explaining what happens to the deposits that are out there and explaining why it is that he can't just hand everybody back the amount of money they had in place. And, and so then they, they hit, and it even includes uh, an injection of cash in the form of the money that George was about to go on his honeymoon with that his bride, his new bride gives to him to say, use the, he says, you have this. And it was like this really amazing sum of $2,000, which was a lot of money back in the 30s. And they use it to basically put out a bank run. Okay? It's a great scene. Bernanke, Diamond, and Dibvig are trying to explain what, what happens during bank runs and what happened. Now, Bernanke's point was, when you have a bank run, you have banks going bankrupt. And what happened after that was, was a collapse of credit. So Bernanke was actually coming up with an alternative to the arguments made on the one hand by Milton Friedman and Anna Schwartz that the problem was a lack of money. On the other hand, by people like Peter Temin and, and, and James Tobin, who were saying, no, it, it was an investment collapse, who said, no, you, what the problem was, investors had nobody to go to to get a loan from. Um, and that was... And, and, he makes a pretty convincing case, and I think I think increasingly people are accepting that view versus the other view. What Diamond and Dibvik did was sort of try to figure out what you know what are the things once you know what conditions do you need in place to get a bank run started. This is not what Bernanke did, right? Bernanke sort of assumed bank runs start, and here's what happens next. But they're like. What things have to be in place for a bank run to get started? And they showed, and this is what's important about the Diamond and Divvig paper, is a lot of things have to go wrong to have a bank run. Right? They, 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 take, they show even when they're illiquid rather than insolvent, the problem is, is you know, so... George Bailey's bank is invested in houses. They can't liquidate the houses fast enough. And so, and so, you know, so I as a depositor at the Bailey Savings and Loan go, well, if Fred shows up to get money before I get there, George is going to be out, so I better get in front of Fred. And that's what starts the bank run. 
And so that sort of teaches you that the way you put out a bank run is sort of telling people, assuring people, no, your money will be there. And it's from that that you get the arguments for deposit insurance. Um, it's from that that you get the you get the arguments for for greater bank regulation. Um, so they said that could help if you got the government standing behind that. That would be fine. If you have a lender of last resort that functions well, that will be fine, uh, and so forth. But the problem is, right? We've discovered all that, and now we have a whole system that's built on the model that. Bernanke, Diamond, and Divvig had explained to us 40 years ago in terms of here's what's already here, here's what gets it started, and here's the mechanism that keeps bank runs from happening more often. And it becomes a justification for deposit insurance, which unfortunately doesn't do the what happens next. When you have deposit insurance, what is your incentive to look at the portfolio of your bank? It's next to none because the government's got your back. So you don't do that. And that's, in fact, what Diamond and Dibvig's paper was helping to point out. And so we say banks take too much risk because the depositors are doing this. So all of a sudden the Fed's got to give banks stress tests. You get to the exact system you're in right now. That's what they got the Nobel Prize for. It's very important. But the question is, now that we know what causes these things and now that we know what happens next in terms of, the, in terms of having these banks that are terribly dependent on every jot and tittle in a in a press release from the federal reserve we now have a system in which we say can we pull back to something better that's not in the that's not in bernanke diamond and dibvig but what comes next that will be better is built on what they did and that's why they got the nobel prize so thank you for listening today enjoy what looks like a very beautiful weekend i will be outside in a little bit and hope you are too listening to The King Banyan Show on The Biz 1440. your help. Hello, I'm Marianne Koharski, Director of Pro-Life Across America. In my 30-plus years, I've never seen such a concerted attempt to silence our efforts and at a time when it's most needed. There's a powerful effort to prevent and block our pro-life messages. Our billboards, social media, and digital ads are all impacted. Unplanned pregnancies still happen. Our ads feature a hotline number connecting callers with more than 3,000 pregnancy support centers across America, offering alternatives to abortion, free ultrasound, and pregnancy help. Babies' lives are being saved. The need still exists. It really does. And Pro-Life Across America needs your help. To donate, please find us at ProLifeAcrossAmerica.org. Did you know I could suck my thumb before I was born? Yep, we all started small. Has your heater or air conditioner busted? Appliance broken? Computer crashed? Then you need an ARW home warranty. Home system and appliance repairs and replacements can cause stress and cost you thousands of dollars per year. With an A-plus BBB rating and a top-rated home warranty company on Consumer Affairs and Trustpilot, ARW Home provides superior service, featuring the industry's lowest service call fee. ARW Home has warranty plans that cover your kitchen and laundry appliances. 
heating and air conditioning systems, electrical and plumbing systems, and much more. Call 800-942-1451 to customize your plan. Plus, ARW has partnered with Azurian to protect your new and used tablets, laptops, TVs, and other home tech from accidental damage and wear and tear. All plans come with a 30-day money-back guarantee. Call 800-942-1451 for your free quote. That's 800-942-1451. I'm driving a 2018 Elantra, red, my favorite color. Hi, I'm Rita from St. Paul. Well, when I first walked in, I felt welcomed. And I'd been at a couple other dealerships that uh, I gave an F to. And Justin was the first gentleman to wait on me when I took it in for my first service. And he's been the only person that I've dealt with since then. Can't say enough good things about him. On Christmas Day of last year, I was on the freeway driving home. And all of a sudden, a red light came on and the right front tire was low and the next day I called and Justin answered he said only take a look at it and go in the waiting room and and I'll get back to you they found that there was a huge nail in the tire and so he was able to get that all fixed up and replaced and sent me on my way home Infragrove Hyundai was very welcoming service was excellent Infragrove Hyundai service technicians are ready for you no matter what kind of vehicle you drive open 7 a.m. to 6 p.m. weekdays call them today or schedule your appointment at Infragrove sensible business talk for their three-star general Michael J. Flynn head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency knew all the government's dirty secrets he was one of the most respected generals in the military Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to he understood its funding he ordered the first audit of the use of contractors this set off alarm bells the explosive new documentary Flynn deliver the truth whatever the cost and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.